I mean, ladies, look, keeping engaged with your life is what it's all about at this stage. Your brain is now not having to have this changes every single really day of the month with the fluctuating hormones that are washing in and washing out. So I say, you know, baby, grab the brass ring and enjoy it. And like you have a whole new opportunity to have new purpose in life and a new clarity of thought. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and I'm going to help you rock your hormones and feel great in your body so that you can reclaim more energy, vitality, and joy and become the CEO of your health. Let's jump on in. Earlier this week, I met the most wonderful esthetician in her early 50s, and we got to talking about perimenopause and midlife. As you can imagine, I talk to a lot of women about their journey through perimenopause and midlife because I love it. I love talking about that transition because it's so important. Well, she went on to share how she wished she would have found me earlier because she desperately wanted to understand the symptoms and struggles that she was dealing with when she was going through perimenopause years prior. Because like many women, she got the runaround when she brought up her symptoms to her doctor and was simply told that there was really nothing they could do for her. She just needed to tolerate it until it was over. And the excuse that she was given was this. We don't know a lot about women and their hormones in perimenopause and menopause because women didn't live very long into menopause back in the day to really study them. Oh my goodness. Talk about an insane and outrageous excuse. This is what many of us are still hearing all the time. Oh, sorry, I don't know. We don't have enough facts to help you. Mm. Truth be told, there is a lot of misconceptions and misinformation about this transition into midlife, right? Leaving many of us confused, frustrated, and defeated about what's really going on with our hormones, our body, even our emotional and mental well-being. Menopause has been painted as a condition of slow decline that needs to be treated, but research tells a different story. Yes, there is real research out there, (laughs) lots that doctors unfortunately don't seem to see. Probably one of the biggest myths I hear all the time is menopause is associated with cognitive decline, and nothing could be further from the truth if you understand the changes in your body and understand the hormones and what your body's undergoing and just knowing what your brain is doing in this transition. When we get clear on understanding this, we can make pivots, we can really nourish our cognitive function, nourish our gut function, and really thrive at another level. Now, because I find the brain of women in midlife so fascinating, and because we get so many upgrades I invited Dr. Luann Brizendine, who is a New York Times bestselling author and researcher on the female brain. She actually wrote an incredible book called The Female Brain, and she's going to be sharing her insight right now on how the female brain gets stronger, not weaker, in midlife and beyond. Are you excited about that? I know I am thrilled to hear this. Now, her research is powerful and it flips the script on what we've been told. Not only are we going to dive into what women can do during perimenopause to transition into midlife with so much power and wisdom and just the upgrades that our brain gets to do, but also how we can continue to upgrade our brain in menopause and beyond. But before I do that, because you know I'm super stoked about this conversation, I want to sing her praises. 
Dr. Luann Brizendine completed a degree in neurobiology at UC Berkeley, graduated from Yale School of Medicine, and had been at Harvard University, and she also went to UCSF. Um, her New York Times bestselling book, as I mentioned earlier, is The Female Brain, and then she followed it up with The Male Brain. And now her newest book, which we're going to be talking about in great detail today, is called The Upgrade, How the Female Brain Gets Stronger and Better in Midlife and Beyond. Whew, let's welcome her to the show. Hey, one more thing. Did you know that one of the biggest nutrient deficiencies that I see in people, especially women, is a magnesium deficiency? It's because we burn through the super mineral so quickly. Now, this powerful mineral packs a massive punch because magnesium is involved in over 600 reactions in the body. Now, it is your best friend if you need more energy, better sleep, a faster metabolism, improved digestion, and not to mention happier periods. And you can quickly replenish your magnesium levels with my Essentially Whole Magnesium Restore Supplement made with my favorite form of magnesium, magnesium glycinate. Use promo code PODCAST and get 10% off your entire order at drmarisa.com slash magnesium. Now I'll have the link in the show notes for this episode to make it easy. Go and try it out today. Welcome to the show, Dr. Luann Brizendine. How are you doing today? Just great, thanks. It's like really, really nice to be here with you, especially with your audience, because I feel like you guys are my people. <laughs> we are literally your people. I know that my community is going to go crazy for your book. And I mean, you have been such a pioneer in the field of understanding women's brains, um, how they are different, how they are complex, how they integrate and connect with our endocrine system. And so you've got a new book out that, I mean, the second I saw this book, I was like, please, we have got to get to Dr. Luann on the show. Yeah, you can pet yours. I'll pet mine. We'll uh, have yes, like I a, have it right we have here. Twins. We have the twins. We have the twins right I here. I just got the it a couple right days here. ago. And even with a toddler, I have I spent about an hour already reading it. So I w- it was a major priority for me. And this is basically, it's called The Upgrade. How well, the I hope you brain. like it. I hope it reads really easy. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, I love it. So I love it so far. But I was just so excited. Like, because here's the thing. I think so many of us, I know my mama was told this. My grandmother was definitely told this. And so many of my community members, the women who reach out to me, tell me that they're just, they've been told that it's a slow decline after midlife, right? That their cognitive decline is eminent and that there's probably nothing that they can do about it because it's just what they've been told. What you do is you flip that myth on its head. And this is a book about how our brain actually upgrades with the pivots. Because you and I both know things are changing in perimenopause and menopause. The brain is changing. Our endocrine system's changing. Neurotransmitters are changing. But you're saying that with a couple tweaks, we get to elevate. We get to upgrade. And we get to be like super stoked for what's to come. Absolutely. No doubt about it. And that's why I changed the language because it's, you know, these little words like perimenopause, those are medical words are made by the pharmaceutical companies and by the medical to indicate an illness, a disease, you know, something that's a disease to be treated. And so, you know, it's, that's not the whole woman. The whole woman is going through a transition there in in their forties up to the fifties. And then, you know, when the period stops and you go in, it's like one day technically of menopause and then you're into the post-menopause for the next 50 years of your life. You know, it's not just post-menopause for the the rest of your life, you have all kinds of richness and the whole woman approach to that part of your life. And nobody has ever given this other stages and developmental stages of a woman after 
the menopause, any divisions, even though there's 40 or 50 years. So I think we need to fix that. So that's what I'm trying to start. I'm trying to push the start button on that. I love it. Well, I have been on that start button train myself. So I am resonating with you. We were just having a conversation because I, I just got way too excited. Like, you know, right, right out the gate. And I was like, oh gosh, we got to push record here. But you were talking specifically, because I think a lot of women there's still not even a lot of clarity as to what goes on in our fertile years and our cycling years with that dance between progesterone and estrogen and specifically that dance that happens in the brain when those two hormones are elevating and shifting and changing throughout our menstrual cycle. Would you give us a little bit of a breakdown there? And then talk to me about kind of what shifts and transitions as we move into our 40s, 50s, and in, into that, that next beautiful phase of our life. So the cool thing to know is, okay, let's, let's get us all on the same page. So the first day of bleeding is what we call day one of the menstrual cycle. So in that first week of the menstrual cycle, you kind of like you're having your period, whatever, and you're, what's happening under the hood is that estrogen is starting to build up to get ready for the next cycle. So then in the week two, as you're climbing, climbing higher, higher estrogen before ovulation happens, the studies we know, I mean, so remember, the purpose of a hormone is to cause a behavior. So... Like the hunger hormone causes us to be hungry and eat. The sex hormones make us want to have sex. So the estrogen increase right before ovulation, it makes, there have been studies that show that women become, they, they sway their hips more. We become more flirtatious. Our pitch of our voice even goes up higher. Things that we don't know that's going on subconsciously for us, but these behaviors are happening because Mother Nature wants us to like be flirtatious with the male to attract the best sperm. We want to, we're out there trying to, we don't know it, but we're, we're out there trying to get the best sperm or, you know, pick the best fathers for our children. That's what we're doing in those like three or four days before ovulation happens. And then, of course, our testosterone's a little higher, and it makes us horny and want to have sex. And it's all sort of choreographed. It's sort of a weird thing to think that it's all going on under the hood by hormones, but obviously that's not the whole story, but that's a piece of it. And then, as soon as the ovulation happens, boom, the progesterone starts, and it undoes all the circuitry in the brain. It kind of like puts weed killer, like Roundup. Weed killer on the all the circuits that were made for those two. It brings down that flirtation. <laughs> yeah, it goes down, <laughs> down, down. You just kind of start. It gets makes you a little bit more chill, a little bit more mm-hmm. chill, and you're not so like out there and flirtatious. You're kind of in a different. And then of course we know what happens the day or two before we get into that PMS thing. That's a whole other thing. But what you need to know is that all these hormone changes are causing behaviors on us, are causing emotions in us, are causing like things that that we are going to do that have to do with our fertility dance. And, you know, the attractiveness and how, figuring out how we want to look, how we want to look better than other women, because it all has to do with attracting the best sperm. Now, that goes on in our lives for our 20s and 30s and you know, up into our 40s. That's that whole cycle is going on all the time in the background. We don't even know it subconsciously why we're getting pushed in that direction. And then what happens after the transition and the period stops is like, boom, you're not being pushed and pulled by those hormones every month all the time. So you have a you have this freedom called the upgrade. You know, you have a whole lot of freedom to choose to do other things that you want to do, to be like sort of more your authentic self at that point. So I think women don't appreciate how wonderful that change is. I mean, getting there during the transition slash aka perimenopause is something we can talk some more about. And we we I want all all of your listeners to know we have we doctors have things that we can help you with so you don't need to suffer like a lot of women are currently suffering. We're gonna help to get you through that. But on the other side, the cool thing is it's kind of like Alice and one you're walking through the looking glass and you're going to have an upgrade where the circuitry isn't going through that building up, tearing down every single month. 
Mm, I love that. And I talk so much about that too, is that this is an opportunity where, you know, our menstrual, having a optimal 28 day cycle, there's so much energy that is required to run that cycle every single month, you know, and, and then to not have it, oh, not only is there physical energy, there's mental energy, like you've got space, you know, to really step into something bigger. And that's, that's exactly what you're talking about right now is that we're not, we're not being pulled in the estrogen progesterone tether, you know, every single month, multiple, you know, throughout the month. Now we've got this, this kind of freedom of really redefining what it looks like for us. I would love to kind of speak into what are some of the shifts and changes as estrogen and progesterone are not pulling on our neurocircuitry as, as much, as consistently as they do during our cycle, kind of what are some of the, the experiences that we start to notice? So I think that a good way to visualize what's happening, it's almost like during these fertility years we're talking about, it's almost like your everyday path, your path along life is down close to the tide line where the tides are coming in and washing away all the brain connections that happened during the first two weeks. And then they go out as you build them back up and they're going away. So you're always getting this tidal waves of pushing and pulling. But then when you hit the upgrade after your period stops, you're Walking up on a path that's a little higher on the hill, you're just more stable. You can feel, you can see further. Every day is going to be more similar. You're not going to have this, all these connections in your brain building up and washing away and building up and washing away. You're able to really like find an, a new purpose and a new path in life. So that's what's happening in the brain with your circuitry becoming much more steady and stable. Even if you take HRT, you're getting a daily dose of the same thing. You're not having these waves that come and go. Mm, I so appreciate that analogy. That, that makes it so much more clear. And just painting the picture. I know we, we talk a lot about the phases of our menstrual cycle here on the show. But then, like I said, you know, over like in perimenopause, that starts to kind of blend. It starts to kind of, like you had said, fray earlier of, you know, and then we move to where, you know, your ovaries are bowing out, the sex hormones are bowing out. And then it's just a lot more, there's just more clarity I find in that next new, that new place that we get to be in menopause and beyond. Absolutely. And I think women need to know that there's something really good waiting for them. Because it's like, you know, it's it's kind of in childbirth in a way, you know, it's like you have a lot of pain and suffering sometimes, not all women, but about 20% of women have a lot of pain and suffering through the perimenopause. And we have a lot of tricks to help you ladies out there that are going through that. And it's hard to realize that when you're going through the sweats and all that, and we can, you know, we can talk about why estrogen does that in the brain, but it's all going to calm down at some point. And you can also get help with it before you're completely out of the perimenopause. I really suggest that women probably start getting onto some kind of consistent hormones before that because it's going to really stabilize you out and let you sleep better. We can talk about the, I think about what you need to do for yourself. It's kind of like a stool, you know, a stool with three legs. There's three legs to keep that stool really steady. One of the legs of the stool has to do with your, your activity and your exercise. You know, you need to get cardio three to five times a week for at least a half an hour. That gives you one leg of the stool to really firm up all of that part of your body. The other one is eating, you know, a really healthy diet like the Mediterranean diet or something like that, whatever your nutritional balance is. And the third leg of that stool has to do with getting the right amount of sleep. And why that's so important is 
what we've discovered in the last five or 10 years about something that happens in the brain is that when we're awake and during the day, you know, our brain cells are all chat, chat, chatting with each other. They're all trying to problem solve. They're doing all kinds of things. You know, we're multi we're doing way, we women, we women are doing way too much, whatever, all the time. And those little things of the brain cells trying to do all that problem solving, all the stuff you're doing, they're making all kinds of garbage as they do that. It's called garbage, they're the garbage proteins. The proteins are just like all through the whole brain. But then when you sleep, these cells kind of shrink back from each other a bit and leave these channels in between the brain cells for it to come and hose out, hose out all the garbage. And if you don't flush out all the garbage while you're sleeping, your brain is going to get clogged up and get more of that brain fog. So the reason you must sleep and have good quality sleep is because you've got to have the garbage flushed out of your brain while you're sleeping. Agreed. And and I know we're, I want to get into sleep because I know this is a big part of the book too. And, and one of the things I always advocate as well is, you know, nix the late night eating. Because if your body's having to digest, it doesn't allow for the brain to, again, those glial cells to wash that cerebral spinal fluid through the brain. I call it the ultimate, the car wash, the brain wash. So I'm a big proponent of people trying to like no meals three hours before bed and and making sure that you have your sleep routine and that you're getting good night's sleep because you really want your brain to have that opportunity to really clean up shop in the evening, which I think is so, so critical. So those three pillars, moving movement, um, food, and sleep are the three big pillars that we should be probably operating well before we even get into menopause, I'm guessing. Yeah, you got to get that. You got to get that down and then nailed down. And the reason I focus a lot on the sleep during the transition and the upgrade is, is obviously you got to clean up the brain every night, but also that because of the hormone shifts in the perimenopause slash the transition, a lot of women end up getting a lot of difficulty with sleep. Because if you're like, if you're waking up because you're having a hot flash and you're just like drenching the bed, you got to get up and change your pajamas or what, or just like whatever you're doing that's interrupting your sleep is not letting the garbage get flushed out of your brain. So of course you're going to wake up in like not only a bad mood, but your brain's not going to be functioning well because you haven't hosed out all of the, all the garbage in your brain during the night. So that's why I really focus on the really getting a hold of that. Whatever it is that's interrupting your sleep, we got to get a hold of what's called sleep hygiene. And a lot of us have the eating down or the exercise down to some degree. I mean, it's like <laughs> we have to discipline ourselves, of course. But this other piece of the sleep, I think, because we're always on screens, we're always watching this. You know, there's way too much that interrupts us that doesn't let you have the the really good sleep. And if it's got to do with your hormones, like being jagged all over the place and making you sweat like a pig. Should we talk about the um Yeah. Let's the part, talk about the, part. the transition. Let's talk yeah. like you mentioned before, you know, and I'm so grateful that the more and more clarity is coming out. So often women thought that the transition into menopause was menopause. And now we know uh, it no. is not it is the uh, what I call it, it's, it's the drum it's roll. It's the drum it's, roll. It is. It's the drum <laughs> roll. It's the perimenopause <laughs> spectrum that's happening and like you had said, I think all women to some all women are going to feel a difference. You, you know, you can call it you know, reverse puberty, right? We ramped up and now we're ramping down. And for some women, depending on lifestyle, even metabolic function, there's a lot of players here, but definitely hormones are the big ones. As we start to ramp down, symptoms can get pretty intense. And definitely one of the biggest top five complaints from my audience is brain fog, 100%. And, and how they describe it is, I just don't feel productive. I don't feel as productive as I used to. I'm not firing on all cylinders like I used to. Like, 
Like I'm just not able. And they're so they're so concerned that it's going to stay that way in, in menopause and beyond as well. Don't you find that people come in and fear? I people come in fear afraid. Like, well, you know, my grandmother had Alzheimer's and dementia. Like, do I, am I getting it right now? Whatever. Yeah, is that like, what no, this no, is? No. <laughs> yes, yeah, this is what it is. I'm getting early dementia. Whatever. And of course, no. So let me chunk it down like I did in the book into like I kind of the transition I put into different categories. And remember, I don't attach I don't attach ages to any of this because the age range between 45 and 55, 80% plus of women will, will go through the perimenopause and, and finish their periods in that 10-year period. So it there's is a chunk, but then there's outliers. 7% of women will be finished by age 45. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's a little chunk that won't be finished till almost 60. 60, so, yeah. And then it there's happens. some there's a 1% that goes through before 40. So, you know, I call what's called the pre-transition years are about age 37 to 41 or 42 because that's the stage at which the ovaries, the member were given we're given a, at birth we're all given about a million eggs. And then by the time we even start a period, there's only about 500,000 left. <laughs> So they're they're kind of they're dying off all the time. Now remember, men are, men's testicles make sperm. Continue, they're not given a certain amount and then they use them all. They they continuously make them all the time, day and night, every second of the day. They are making sperm until the moment they are even past when they're in the grave, probably. But so that's the, that's what the difference. But so we have run out of a lot of our eggs by the time we hit 37. We all know that that's kind of a transition where our eggs are really starting to go in terms of their quality. And they're, the ones that are still there are getting older. So between 37 and 41, that's the time which which I call the pre-transition. So you're usually not having hot flashes. You're not having you know, sleep problems. You're not, you're not having any of these symptoms at all. Not yet. But, but underneath the hood, I just wanted to raise the hood to look, look mm-hmm. what's going on in the ovary and the brain. So things are still working okay. So that's the pre. The very first stage, usually, of the... The stage, kind of stage one of the transition, I call it, you know, it's usually 41, 42 to about 45. And what you notice is that, you know, and we used to, in medicine is, you know, we used to do this, we used to do a blood test called the FSH test. And we know we, and we have some other ones that we're sort of, you know, trying to figure out these days. But really a blood test isn't going to help you as much as if you're a 28 day girl every month and then your cycle starts to drop to the t- to like 27 or 26, it's the shortening of the cycle that will tell you about the the stage that your ovary and brain are starting to not communicate with each other as well because the eggs are running out and they're not, they're not as, um, uh, you're not as fertile as you were. So that will happen probably in that first stage. And sometimes you'll get a little bit warm. What I found for me, I don't know if you found that for you too, or I used to do the elliptical a lot. That was one of my exercises. And I found that I would get off of it and you know, you're kind of used to how long it takes you to cool down. You know, it takes you whatever time it does. And then I would find that, wow, I don't know, I wasn't cooling down as fast. I was still like hot for quite a while longer. So something starts to change a little bit at that stage with your the temperature sensor in your brain. Remember the temperature sensor in your brain. Here's an example of what happens. If you're in a room with a bunch of people and someone changes the temperature in the room by 10 degrees, everybody's probably hot, right? It goes up, everybody's probably hot. When you're in this stage of the perimenopause slash transition, if someone changes at one degrees, almost nobody feels hot, but you do. You may even start sweating. So what's happened is the the temperature gauge in your brain has started to narrow because of the changes in the estrogen that's in your brain. 
So it's and it gets it gets more and more so. So in the in the middle, what I call the mid transition years, you may be having a couple of nights where you're not getting good sleep because you're a little bit warmer than usual. You're not you're not cooling down as much. You may start to get a little bit more irritability because you're also maybe not getting as much sleep. So there are some symptoms that start in that early early and the mid the mid transition is when they really can start where your cycle is shortening even more maybe down from 28 to 24 sometimes you may even have a cycle where you think that the late transition and up into the you you may be having like what you think maybe two periods a month you may be spotting in the middle there's all kinds of reasons you know the if you don't have the right flow of estrogen progesterone it's not going to be your usual cycle and you might have lots of what we call eggless cycles and ovulatory mm-hmm. cycles eggless cycles really mess up you really screw up your menstrual flow and it can be a huge build up and i talk about that in the book you know a lot of women i can remember like you know you, you try not to sit on anything white or not wear, wear white pants you have to you go out of the house with extra size cotex or maybe before you've even gotten out of the house at that stage you may go through two super tampons i mean that's the time when you're the reason all that bleeding is happening is because you've had a lot of estrogen build up you may have had an eggless cycle and not even know it and then you get build up for two months and then all of a sudden you get flooding so flooding is a real thing but it's telling you i mean it's a certainly the, one of the biggest pains in the neck of going through this stage is having flooding and of course we can help fix that for women that's don't you don't have to suffer that so please go to your doctor if you're having flooding for sure at any rate all of this is got this the communication between the brain and the ovary is what I call sputtering ovary syndrome because this, the ovaries are not responding. I think of the pituitary as yeah, being she's the con- ignoring. She's ignoring. <laughs> she's it's like, she's the, like uh, 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 no, uh, and the conductor. You know, the pituitary is like a conductor of a symphony. The pituitary is like all of the hormone glands in the whole body. They're like telling them what to do by putting out little signals from hormones from the pituitary and. As some instrument doesn't start playing loud enough, it starts to scream at that instrument by making more and more of these signals to like play louder, play louder, play louder. And it's like the ovary is not. The ovary is retiring. It says, forget it. But then all of a sudden, it might listen for a month or two and then even squirt out higher hormones than you've ever had before. Mm-hmm. And you don't realize you sometimes you have like more breast tenderness, more estrogen, and more buildup in your uterus. So you get a heavier period in the, in the next 30 to 60 days. So that you know, that's what's happening in what we call the the lovely transition, which nobody you know. So we're but we 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 doctors are here to help you with that transition. You do not have to suffer all of this. But that's that's the rock and roll. But the, the the communication between the brain and the ovary is sort of breaking down at that point a bit. And so I guess that's probably a lot of what some in the brain fog piece comes also from not enough sleep and from the estrogen being you're being jerked around a lot by your hormones. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, one of the things I've noticed in running so many labs on women is, you know, especially with the way that we are operating today, you know, I call it the standard American lifestyle, is that we saw, we see progesterone levels precipitously lower than we would maybe even expect, you know, in, in early 40s, even late 30s sometimes I see it, you know, that chill pill that we're really relying on, she's just not there. And so I see a lot of women coming to me, especially in perimenopause, they're feeling very anxious. Um, They're feeling very edgy, on edge, irritable, and not like themselves. And I think that has a lot to do with the brain kind of like, where's... 
where's my hormones? <laughs> What's going on here? And it's the right sequence of the hormones yeah. too. Remember? Yes, yes, it is. Yeah. And all of us know about PMS. About you know, 80 to 90% of women know what PMS is. They've had it at some point. Some people have it worse than others. But the reason that's important to kind of know something about that, because it's big corollary in the transition and perimenopause, which is what's happening at that two days before you start bleeding in your regular cycle, is that the progesterone is dropping like a rock really quickly. And yes. that sets up all of the whole thing, everything in the uterus to, to flush out all the blood out of the uterus for your period. But it's also causing a lot of havoc in your brain because the progesterone in your body makes this really cool hormone in the brain called, we call it aloe for short. It's a metabolite of the of progesterone, which makes you feel really calm and chill. Like, And it hits all the same receptors as Valium. It hits all the Valium, what we call the Valium receptors in the brain where you're feeling pretty chill. And then all of a sudden, when it starts to drop like a rock the day or so before your period starts, you're in this irritable, almost Valium withdrawal in your brain because your progesterone drops so fast. And that's when you get, I call it in my clinic, the crying over dog food commercials. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can just cry the drop of a hat, or you can your anger, or you can get irritable. You know, really things angry. that your thing that yeah. your partner doesn't do, like whatever they do, they leave their underwear all over the place, or they don't do this, or they uh, they leave the refrigerator door open, whatever the heck they do that they yeah the empty sh- milk carton, whatever the thing yeah, whatever is. Whatever it is, and you don't you know usually it's like okay, oh well, it's not so great. But then on those days, it's like you can just like fly off the handle at him. It's like your your anger can go from zero to sixty really fast because you're not having this this calming thing of progesterone. So the reason I focus on that right now, because that is kind of what can be happening in different days through this whole, your whole cycle during the transition days and during the perimenopause, it can be jerked up and down, up and down. And you have, you have a lot of eggless cycles, more and more eggless cycles. And when you have an eggless cycle, you don't make progesterone. And so no, you don't, you can't, you can't, there's no ovulation's the main event without ovulation. There is no progesterone and it's not around. So if you're not ovulating, you're not having progesterone and your brain is not happy Mm -mm. that because it's been built up with the estrogen to such a high fever pitch right before the ovulation was supposed to happen, that your brain has not then been given the sequence of then the progesterone to calm everything back down again. Mm. I just wanted you to speak into that because that is just, that is such a reality for so many women in this transition. And, and it it feels like such an assault to the brain, (laughs) you know, assault to our mood. And you don't, the thing is like the rug got pulled out and you don't know what happened. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like the rug's pulled out and you don't know what just happened to you. And you don't realize that what's going on behind the scenes is that, that your hormones are not in the right sequence and that some of your progesterone is not there and that you're going to feel, you're irritable and crabby and you're going to not be able to focus. And you know, that's, that's because the sequence of hormones isn't what your brain needs and is used to. So that's why we often stick women during this phrase, constant birth control pill, where you have the same amount of estrogen, the same amount of progesterone, you don't get the heavy bleeding. You know, it, some, some women need to go to that to kind of get themselves back in balance, not everybody. At any rate, it's good to know what's happening to you, I think. I like my saying in the book, which is, biology is destiny unless you know what it's doing to you. I totally resonate with that. And, you know, and I think women, there's, there's a lot of different options we have out there. Like you said, go and talk to your functional, your practitioner, 
even bioidentical progesterone is a great option. Like there's a lot of different options. It could be supplementation that can help manage some of this as well. And so just kind of really exploring, but also just the knowing that as uncomfortable as it can be, and I know it can feel like a struggle and there's lots of ways that we can address those, it's temporary, right? We, we, it is this temporary phase that we're going to move onto the other side and things are going to feel a lot different. I want to talk about that other side. I want to say that we, we got through perimenopause. We were able to manage it with as much grace and ease as possible. Clearly at this point in our, our lives, I know a lot of people in their 50s are thinking about longevity, are thinking about their brain and how it's working, how they're showing up, um, how they're stepping into their, their wisdom and, and what they want to do with intention moving forward. What are some of the biggest pitfalls? I know a lot of women at this time are starting to notice some brain fog, are definitely concerned about it. What are some things that they can do that we can do that can help mitigate that fogginess, the, the, oh, that, that word that just all fluttered away right in the middle of a sentence, right? What are some things, what are some hidden dangers that we should be mindful of or concerned about when it comes to, I mean, clearly a lack of sleep is a big one here, Right certain foods that we're eating could be causing more brain and gut inflammation that we would love. Um, not moving our body, right? Having a sedentary lifestyle is going to wear on us. But are there specific toxins or prescriptions or just things like that that we should be mindful of as well as we navigate this next beautiful journey? So I think one, let's just realize that the brain loves estrogen. Yes. Okay. Yes. Because, because if you do it too late, I mean, by the time you're 60, it's too late with the estrogen thing. So I think that's something that medicine and research is going to have to really deal with because the 20, 20 years of no research in this area because of the Women's Health Initiative study is the twentieth is the twentieth anniversary right now of that study. It's twenty years. My my colleagues at the NIH told me when it first came out this will this will put estrogen study in females back twenty years. There will be nothing for twenty years, and I didn't believe it at the time, but it's true, as you know, right? We really we really haven't really you know women's perimenopausal menopausal brains are not something that had been researched, and the estrogen piece of that is clear. But it's clear that um, so I just wanted to to say that as we move on to talking about all kinds of other things, like we did the sleep already, which is really, really critical. And this this thing about forgetting the word that you were thinking of, or like you're moving on to something else, like the balancing in terms of like what the brain does, the two, the two front lobes of the brain, you're able to keep two things in mind at once often. But there's, when you start to then focus on one of them, that other thing that's just left behind in the waiting room of your brain, you can get back to it often. But sometimes when you go back to it, there's nothing there. You knew you left something in the waiting room, but you can't think of the word. You can't think of what it was you wanted to stay, say, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a reality of life. So, and yet that's what's happening. So that the, the little bit of focus is going to be changing to what you realize is you're going to be focusing on one thing because the one thing that you are doing and focusing on just forget about that thing in the waiting room on the other side of your brain because you need to just, that's why I say you start to get hyper-focused on what you're doing, just the here and now of what you're doing. And it really causes you to become much better at focusing on one thing at a time. So that will, that's something to look forward to because you really, you're able to just like, just keep moving along. The, and if someone interrupts you, you learn to say, please come back later, or let me finish what I'm doing first. You really, you really learn to take charge doing things in a sequential way that works for you. So that's why I say often you learn to sp speak your mind. And the aspects of having no inflammation 
at least inflammatory diet that you can have. The best, not too much exercise, because that can cause inflammation if you're really over-cramping it. But if you're doing what's right for you, the right balance of the exercise for you, that also keeps everything functioning well, but not too much inflammation. And we all know about the microbiome in the gut where, you know, the research on that is still is still in its infancy, really. But we do know that we want to keep, I like to think of them as all these little babies down there that we're just trying to feed and keep as healthy as possible by eating our, you know, our probiotics and having our, you know, having our healthy fiber all of that kind of stuff and having your healthy fats, the really balanced diet. Your brain really likes consistency of a healthy diet as well. So there's all kinds of things. I know for myself, it's like, I recently got into a little like spate of like really liking ice cream at the at the end of dinner or the end of the day, and it's way too much sugar for me at once. So it just it crashes my energy, crashes my brain focus, and so as much as I love it, it's kind of like heroin to me. I like the sugar, but it really does not work. So we have to just take charge of some of those kinds of things that we do have charge of that will be very helpful to our brain function and keeping engaged. I mean, ladies, look, keeping engaged with your life is what it's all about at this stage. You've, your brain is now not having to have this changes every single really day of the month with the fluctuating hormones that are washing in and washing out. So I say, you know, baby, grab the brass ring and, and enjoy it. And like you have a whole new opportunity to have more new purpose in life and a new, new clarity of thought. And also it coincides for a lot of women in their early mid-50s with, with coming empty nest time where you've, you know, you've been, the whole mommy brain is like been really focused on children that are in the house that you're, that you're caring for, which is a wonderful phase of our life. But we're going into another phase where some of our dance card is like open now and we get to choose. I mean, choose some things that would be just delicious for you to take on and do that you really have been holding off and but wanting to do. So it's a really wonderful time in your life, ladies, to get to do some things that are just right now sitting on the shelf waiting for you to get this new kind of time for authenticity in your life and a clearer vision and becoming more purposefully engaged. Hmm. I think that's that's really the ticket is just becoming so intentional of just realizing the you know the newfound energy you're going to get the newfound clarity and then really just there's going to be more time and more space to really decide what you want to do as you had mentioned earlier this many decades that we're talking about <laughs> that we're going to get to reclaim which I think is so excited I want to I would love to to segue over to some of the, the research hacks you talk about in the book for fending off um, any concerns around dementia or just, or even just, you know, the flip side of that of like, how do we increase that longevity? Like, how do we ensure that we are as sharp as a tack in our 80s, in our 90s, that we are, we're feeling like we're, we're still functioning incredibly well? In those years. Right. So I'm going to give you guys some fun facts of like study, from studies that are out there. So there's one very cool study that studied women in their 80s and their cognition. And those women that were the sharpest at the top of the heap for cognition, they surprisingly found a correlation with that was that those women also had the best leg strength. So clearly, there's something between muscle strength and cognition that goes together. So I, I tell women that keep your muscles strong because there's some actually, there's a compound that's released by your muscles that actually is a signal to the brain. It's not just the nervous system that signals from your muscles to the brain, but there's actual compounds that go into your blood that signal to the brain. You know, one of the things, the biggest muscles in the brain is your glutes, right? So squeezing your glutes and getting, doing, ladies, doing a thousand butt squeezes a day. 
that's a lot to do, but you know, just every time you sit down, every time you brush your teeth or go to a counter, think about doing your butt squeezes because that's going to help your cognition. So this aspect of keeping yourself moving, the muscles in your body, really tend to them, keep them healthy. That's going to, because the blood flow to your brain is everything and the compounds that go to your brain is going to keep yourself in best cognition and the best physical health into your 70s, 80s, and 90s and beyond. So that is going to help you with all those things. And obviously, you know, really attending to other medical things like we doctors know, which is like really attending to the issue of your cholesterol. If you need to have that rebalance, if, that, if you can do that through diet, great. If you can't, then you need to you know, have some of that rebalance because you don't want a lot of cholesterol plaques running around in your, your heart, your vessels, and your brain. You would like to handle any other medical condition that you have. And also the mobility. A lot of women in their 60s start to have a knee this or an ankle this. You, know, you need to really take charge of getting the physical therapy you need. Whatever it is that you need to keep yourself mobile will basically keep yourself strong and healthy and focused. So that's very good for your, both your longevity and particularly for your brain. And I think they've decided that this thing about doing the crossword puzzles and doing all these puzzles and things, if you love to do them, if they're a passion for you, do them. But if you're just doing them and just forcing yourself to do them, they actually haven't been shown to correlate necessarily with brain cognition at a later age, which a lot of us will go, Yahoo, I'm glad. You know, <laughs> if you love doing, doing what you love, doing what you love that you feel like you get that dopamine rush, you get a, some juice for doing it, then really embrace that and do more of that. Mm. How about the, the thing that popped into my mind is relationships, is like maintaining those best friend relationships. I was wondering, you know, have you looked at some of the research there? I know that oh, that is- yes. Isn't that wonderful? That, mm-hmm. the, the, that Especially the one that's really surprising for us in medicine, we know that anything that shows an increase in longevity is like really kind of surprising. But one of the things they found is that people that go out with three to four of their girlfriends at least twice a week had increased longevity mm. in the study. Love Isn't it. That That's wonderful? yeah, I think and and yeah, I mean connection, you know, touch, hugs you know, connecting with our best friends. I just think that's such a, it's such a win in so many directions for women in general, but that, yeah, that it's been shown time and time again, it's a major indicator for longevity. So I really believe that building your community, choosing community, you know, volunteering, hanging out with your girlfriends, talking with your girlfriends or sisters, even on the phone. I mean, whatever it is, of course, during the pandemic, we've all had, you know, a decrease in everything with mm-hmm. with our social connections. So I think all of us are really longing for that in a really important way and honor that, honor your urges to have connections. And that's what the human brain is all about. The human brain is all about con- social connections with others. And so I think that also there's all the family relations and, you know, all these things. As soon as you look under the hood for any of us in our connections in our family and things that are things that go well and don't go well with family connections, like find a space to work on some forgiveness. Don't let anything ruin your connections with other people. Because hmm. it's, you know, life is life is short and Anything that's getting in the way of an important connection in your life, you know, honestly, try to look into your heart and find find some way to work on that relationship. Find a way to improve that relationship. And if, when you do that, all you'll find that as soon as you rep- also working on improving your relationship with yourself. Who do we live with most? We live with ourselves. So finding ways to improve our relationship with ourselves during these years. And I, you can find that through meditation, 
Some people find it through prayer. However you find it, it's really, really correlated with both physical health and mental health through all of the later years of your life. So develop your relationship with yourself in whatever way you can. Hmm. Well, Luann, honey, this is so powerful. I am so excited for people to get a hold of the book, The Upgrade, because I know you're going to go deeper into, if you loved this, you're going to go deeper into this. Um, and I know it is available everywhere. It just came out. You're right. Yes. And listen, you can, you can pet it. It feels, they, they made a really smooth, like pettable, a pettable cover. It feels it's beautiful. It's like, thank you. At any rate, I really would love your, your audience to get a chance to have it and take it into their heart and share it with their sisters and mothers. Mm-hmm. I love that too. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, it's thank so you for my sharing honor. your wisdom. Oh, it's mm-hmm. so my honor. And good luck to all of you as you go through your transition and into your upgrade. Thank you so much for having me. Mm-hmm. Probably the biggest takeaway I walked away from Dr. Luann's was that there's so much that we have control of when it comes to our brain health and honestly, our overall health, right? And we've been told that our brain is declining is simply not true, right? If, if she didn't just dispel that myth, man, I mean, her book goes into so much detail. And I love, you know, I can resonate with her trifecta of sleep, nutrition, and movement. It is so key. And also probably one of the biggest takeaways I walked away from, and I've just been knowing, I mean, this is why I send voice memos to my besties all the time, is just maintaining those relationships and then shifting our mindset about how we want midlife to look, how we want it to feel, what we want to achieve, who do we want to become, right? And this just reminds me of the conversation, the epic conversation I had with Susan Wilson about a month ago, who is the author of Making Sense of Menopause, Harnessing the Power and Potency of Your Wisdom Years. And that was the episode, I titled it, Why Women Over 40 Should Pay Special Attention to Their Beliefs About Menopause. Because I'll tell you what, Susan Wilson flipped that on its head as well. So each of us have that opportunity to shift our beliefs and mindset to embrace our full capacity in this phase of our life. Whether you're in perimenopause, you're heading into midlife, or you're just thinking to yourself, okay, like this can look so different for me, you know, 10, 20, 30 years down the road. I'll tell you what, I never planned to fade into the background or slowly decline. Neither of those are on my list. I plan to show up with wisdom and clarity for many of years so that I am just living my best life. And I invite you to do the same because each of us get to step into midlife on our own terms as we discover who we want to be. I believe that we all deserve to curate who we want to become through self-discovery and honoring our bodies. Now, if you are fascinated about the female brain and want to learn more hacks on how to upgrade your brain now or in perimenopause or in midlife, wherever you are on the journey, let me tell you, there is something for you, right? So go and check out Dr. Luann's book. It's called The Upgrade. I will have the link in the show notes. And if you are looking for a perfect companion to this book that addresses the root causes and gives you easy to implement recommendations and protocols for sleep, nutrition, mood support, brain support... I did a mega, 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 mega deep dive in my book, my latest book, The EO Menopause Solution. It is profound. So much research to back up what I have in there. I dig into the nitty gritty, not only of why, like what's going on with your hormones, what happens when they shift, but also what you can expect and then what you can do to like set yourself up for success. So I'm gonna have the link in for my book as well, because I think when it comes to 
knowing how to navigate, there are great resources out there. I do recommend you having a little mini library of these books that you can reference because in that moment where you're feeling like you're just in it, that you're thinking, oh my gosh, this is never gonna get better. Like, I don't know how to turn this around. There are such great resources. Dr. Annika Becca is a great resource. Um, um, Dr. Laura Bryden is a great resource. There's just so many great resources out there that I think you can tap into. And as always, thank you so much for listening to the Essentially You podcast today. I'm so grateful you're here. This show is about providing tools to rock your hormones and ultimately feel amazing in your body. If there is someone in your life that needs to hear this today, like they are struggling and they need to know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, take a screenshot, send it on over them via text message, send them a voice memo. Be like, girl, I just heard this podcast. You need to hear it, right? Let them know. And that way we continue to spread words about hormone literacy so that women don't go to their doctors feeling defeated, right? Because they're told that, uh, you just need to like, just need to weather the storm. That is, uh, ugh, I have have no words. (laughs) And if you do share it on social, hashtag hormone CEO. Until the next episode, have an amazing day.